Morning. Join us as we open the service singing some songs together. This hymn says, Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty, all in Calvary. Sing it out. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Easter month it's been, and how it's reminded us that we should live every day in memory of what He did for us at Calvary. And this next hymn says, if I ever forget, lest I forget, lead me back, Lord, take me back to Calvary, remind me again what was done for me.
lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Calvary. Three days later, he walked out of the tomb. And we're going to close with this song that says, because he lives, I have hope. Because he lives, then everything I'm going through, I can face it with his help. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know that he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Can you say that this morning? Amen. Before Dean gives us the message, let's close with this
child can face uncertain days because Christ lives and because he we have in Jesus Christ? It's not if. It's not possibly. It's not maybe. It is in Christ. We have everything in Christ, and we're so thankful that we can be here today. Praise be to God. Thank you, Ray. It's always a blessing to have the worship team and be able to sing. And these are great songs. They just lift you up and they just, it's, it's fantastic. Shall we just say a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful that we can be here today and we pray that we would, as we sit here today, listen to your voice and pray that it will be your voice and your word that will speak to our hearts in a powerful way, that you'll change us, Lord, that you'll make us more like our Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to save us. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, we pray that today they will accept you as Lord and Savior. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord. Please make the word come alive to us today. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know the Lord in your life and to have that confidence and that peace and that assurance of knowing the Lord Jesus. It is tremendous. But we do. We live in a very uncertain world. Every day something bad seems to happen. And there are a lot of things that can shake us. They can move us. We can worry what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with our health, what's going to happen with politics and all these things that are happening. But we know that the Lord is in control. He has everything under his control. 
and he's going to be with us. But it is an uncertain world, and we thank the Lord that we have certainty, as I said, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God never changes. He's limitless. He's everlasting. He's powerful. He can do things that no one else can do. And sometimes what we do, though, is we limit the Lord. We limit the Lord. We think that he can only work in a certain way, and we put God like in a box and think that way. We have to think that he can do anything he chooses to do. He's a sovereign God, and he can work in our lives in ways that he never did before. He can do something new or special in our lives in an extraordinary way, and he specializes in impossibilities and miracles. And that's an amazing thing. You know, we visited Bill. I visited Bill in the... In the uh, rehabilitation hospital that he's at. It's a nice one, too. It's over in Walnut Creek. And we visited him, and he opened up the, the uh, covers there as he was under the bed and showed us where the wounds were in his knees. In his knees. And I was just thinking how the Lord was with him before the surgery. The Lord was with him during the surgery. The Lord has been with him after the surgery, and every day he keeps getting better and better and walking more and more. I told him today, Bill, one day, we're praying that you're going to be walking and leaping and praising God. And I know he will. I know he will. And God's going to give him those two new knees that are going to allow him to serve him better. It's a, it's a blessing. Our God is so good. But you know, one of the things that Satan tries to do is he tries to get our attention off of the Lord and onto ourselves, onto our circumstances. And we know the three enemies out there are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are our three enemies that we face. But within the flesh, there's three other enemies, worry, fear, and doubt. And we've all experienced them, haven't we, in our life? At one time or another, we've all worried about something. We've all had fear and we've all had doubt. Well, today we're going to look at the subject of doubt. Doubt. Doubting the word of God or doubting the love of God or doubting the provision of God for our lives is not good because he has a perfect track record of providing for us and loving us. And so what, what we need to remember is faith overcomes every doubt. But if you read the Bible... From Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find men and women alike, godly men and women alike, that doubted. So the Lord didn't put them on a pedestal and make them perfect so we would think, how would we measure up? He put them in the scriptures. He includes all the things about them, every doubt, every fear, every worry, so that we can grow from these things and learn from these things because we are going to face doubts at some time in our lives. When you get saved, the devil's going to come at you with doubt. He's done that to everyone who gets saved. But even after we're saved, he comes along in doubt. You know, God can't do that. Or God won't do that for you. And the devil always comes in that way. But we thank God that he gives us the victory. And today we're going to look at a man in the scriptures in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 who was a doubter. He doubted God. And his name was Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And we know how great John the Baptist was. And Zacharias was married to Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mary, who was the mother of our Lord. They were all connected family-wise in that. And so when the angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias here, we're going to see that he did not believe. He, did, he doubted. He doubted. And we're going to see what went on. And we're going to look at it in four things. Number one, his character and lineage, who he was. Secondly, his encounter with the angel Gabriel. Number three, and I love this, his nine-month silence for doubting. His nine-month silence for doubting, which happens to correspond to the nine months his wife was pregnant carrying John the Baptist, right? We're going to see that today, too. And then we're going to see his victory over doubt and his praise to God and how wonderful God used all these things in his life to then get him to the point of praising and thanking God for everything, not to doubt again. And so we thank God for that. Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. We'll read a few verses here. There's quite a few, but we'll read the first part of it. It says in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Now there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw, that he saw it, him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, and you shall drink, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Let's skip down to verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And oh, the answer he got from the angel. Oh boy. Verse 19, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But, behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned and remained speechless. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. It's an amazing thing. I was studying about this passage of Scripture, and I was studying about this man, Zacharias, and both he and Elizabeth were, were from the tribe of Levi. And he was a priest according to the order of Abijah. In 1 Chronicles 24 and verse 10, David had established 24 shifts of priests, 24 shifts. And so the priests would take their turns and go into the temple, or before that, the, into the tabernacle, but into the temple, and they would serve the Lord. But it's really interesting, and I never knew this before, but Bill McDonald points out that each shift was called on to serve twice a year from Sabbath to Sabbath. There were so many priests at that time that the privilege of burning incense in the holy place came only once in a lifetime, if at all. So wasn't it a great miracle right off the bat that he was right there serving as a priest in the temple at that very moment when the angel came. God's timing is perfect in our life. Our timing is always off. You know, we oftentimes have to set the clocks twice a year, right? We spring forward, we set it one year, then come fall, we fall back, back to where we were, right? Man is always changing and times are always changing and things, but God's time, perfect. He never changes. He's perfect, and he knew the day that Zacharias would be there, and he sent his angel, Gabriel, on a special mission to go and talk to him and, and tell him that he's going to have a child, and he's going to be John the Baptist, and he's going to be the forerunner of Christ. What a message. What a wonderful plan. And these two people, these weren't carnal believers here. They were godly men, both godly men, Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth. It's a wonderful thing. They were godly. And notice it says that they were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I mean, these were godly Jews, and there were godly Jews waiting for the Messiah to come. They called it the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for the coming Messiah. And here they were, and he knew the scriptures, and he knew Messiah was going to come, and he knew the forerunner was going to come because it was mentioned in Malachi, and he knew the word. And so now the Lord is coming to announce it to him. And these were godly people, as I said. It reminds me of the book of Job where it says of Job a similar thing. Job 1.1 says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. 
Job was a godly man, and he was tested and tried. And Zacharias is a godly man, and he's going to be tested here as well, and he's going to be spoken to by the angel. So they were godly. They were a wonderful couple. They loved the Lord. They loved the scriptures. They, they had everything going for them. He was a priest, and she was a wonderful lady. And... But the first but of this chapter is mentioned in verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. The but, the stigma. And we all know from studying at this period of time that if you didn't have a child, that was a big stigma. But if you didn't have a boy child, a male child, that was even worse. So they didn't have a child. She was barren. There was a stigma. There was always that cloud hanging over their heads. And they had prayed about it. And we know from this chapter that they had prayed. Because it says, I've come in answer to your prayer. Do we sometimes pray about something and we don't see an answer? And we pray and we pray and we pray daily. We pray weekly. We pray monthly. We pray every year. And God doesn't send the answer. And we say, Lord, I've been praying for this thing for, for so long. And we know that God either says yes to it or he says no to it. And sometimes, though, he says, wait to it. And that was what was happening here. But wasn't it a long wait? They had grown so old now that they had given up. I mean, they tried all the things. They went to all the doctors, and I'm sure if they had in vitro fertilization in those days, they'd have tried that too. They'd have tried every way for her to get pregnant. But she was barren. She couldn't have a child. And so they went about their normal daily lives, and here he was in the temple serving God as his turn came up. His number was called, and he went in to serve at that time. But I'd like to ask him, maybe when we get to heaven, we can ask him the question, because he's thinking, right, I'm too old to have a son now. My wife is too old to have a son. But Zacharias, uh, how old was Abraham when he gave birth to Isaac, right? When they gave birth, 100 years old. How old was Sarah when she gave birth to that boy, to Abraham, to Isaac? He was 90 years old. And that is so amazing because Isaac's name means laughter. And so she laughed so much. It says in the tent, she laughed. And that was not a laugh of belief at that point. But once God had showed her the miracle was going to be here and gave her Isaac, she called him Isaac and she says, everybody's going to laugh with me. Because when God does something so special and so powerful and so miraculous in our life, we just have to laugh because it's impossible in the eyes of men. And God can do all things. Nothing's impossible with him. And I'm thankful for that. And maybe you're here today and you've been waiting for a spouse. Maybe you've been waiting for a spouse. Long time waiting. Or maybe you've been waiting for a child, and we know some couples in our church that waited a long time, and then God provided a miracle. I think of Jean and Gilbert in particular, and others too. And they waited so long, and then God gave them the miracle child. Addie is the miracle child. Then they gave them another miracle child, and Ina, right? So, and she'll be dedicated next week. But it's so, so, such a blessing to know when we wait on the Lord, the answer comes, it's more special because we've waited longer. It's like if your son or daughter comes to you and let's say January, February time frame and says, I want a new bike. I want a new bike. Wait, wait, Christmas is coming. Christmas, it's only January, February. Dad, Mom, why, why can't I have it now? Just wait. My birthday's coming. No, just wait. And then as they wait and they start counting the days, it gets into December, it gets closer to Christmas. They're starting to say, man, it's getting close to Christmas. I'm going to get that bike but I haven't seen it anywhere. I looked everywhere around the house where they might have hit it, right? I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. And then on Christmas morning, they come down, and they see that beautiful new bike, and it's so special, and they're so excited. They forget all the other presents, right? And they get on that bike and take off riding down the street because they're so excited. When God does a miracle, and he does something big, and he gives us something great, especially that we've been waiting for and praying for, we should be praising God for that. We should be thanking him for that because the Lord is so good. But it is a blessing because there was Zacharias and he was there in the temple and he was burning the incense and all of a sudden he looks over and he sees the angel 
to the right of the altar. Can you imagine you're doing your service, you're offering all of a sudden out of the corner of your eye, out of your peripheral vision, you see something, some flash of light, and you look over, and it's an angel. An angel is there. Now, there were cases in the Old Testament where angels did appear. It's very true. They're God's messengers. They're God's servants. They appeared in the Old Testament. But think of this time period, and Sylvia mentioned this during the Revelation. This was during the Old Testament time, still up until this point. And they had had 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew, and all that time, no visions from God, no revelations, nothing. And so all of a sudden, he turns and he sees this angel. He got scared to death. He was terrified by it. But the angel comforts him and tells him, in verse 13, and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Wow, Lord, you sent an angel to answer my prayer. He, we're going to have a boy. I want to go tell my friends. I want to go tell my family. I want to go tell Elizabeth. He should have been so excited, right? He should have been so excited, but we're seeing he's got a little bit of doubt. But he had prayed about it, right? He had prayed about it for all this time. And I like how it says the people were outside the temple and they were praying too. So in verse 10, it says he was in the temple serving and they were outside praying. And probably Elizabeth was home praying. And God brought the answer to the prayer. It kind of reminds me of the days of Daniel when Daniel had prayed to the Lord and the Lord sent an angel. He says, your prayers, Daniel, were heard. They were heard in heaven, and I've come to show you that you're going to have an answer to your prayer. And there was spiritual warfare going on between the devil and the angels of God, and they were fighting it out, and, and that's what delayed the answer coming through. And then the answer came to Daniel, and he was strengthened and encouraged. And so, too, this man, Zacharias, should have been so happy and rejoicing and overjoyed. He should have been. But I really thank God because, you know, we can't do anything without prayer. We really can't do a thing without prayer. And while I was preparing this message, I don't know what made me think of it. The Lord made me think of it. That for many years, and many people don't know it, I bet if I ask you to raise your hand later, you're going to say you, you didn't know it. Some know it. But they've been doing it for many years. Two brothers, Vince Rolfe and Rick Punzo, have gone into that room. It touches my heart and prayed for the speaker every message and prayed that the Lord would use the word and prayed that the people will receive the word and they've prayed year after year. Now, your partner's not here today, Vince, right? But you did pray, right? See, he prayed. And when his partner comes back, they join together and there used to be another brother involved that's not with us in our church and they used to do that. They've kept it going and they pray and I thought, Lord... That's why you're blessing these messages. That's why you're blessing the word as it goes forth during the week. Because we're praying. If we stop praying, it's not going to work. We have to keep praying and asking for God's favor and God's help. When we notice here the encounter that he has with this angel, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zacharias. I've come bringing good news to you. And here it is. But here you go. Look at his answer here. I mean, it's unbelievable in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Or, as we might put it, how shall I know it for sure? How do I know it's really going to happen? I mean, I'm pretty old and my wife is pretty old. How shall I know? How shall I know? And he said that to the angel. It's amazing. He says, I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Yes, it's amazing. God spoke to him and encouraged him. And he said, you're going to have a son, John the Baptist. And here he doubts. But before we blame him, don't we doubt? Sometimes we do. And if God had come into our life like he did at Zacharias and an angel had appeared to us, we'd be scared too and we probably would doubt too in his circumstances, in his situation. But God encourages us to have faith and to believe in him and to trust in him knowing that he is going to do it. But it's in our nature to doubt. It really is. It's in our nature to doubt. And it's only as we spend time with the Lord and in his word, and he gives us that faith that we can be overcomers of doubt. We really can. But it's amazing. One man said to Jesus in the Gospels, he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
And sometimes aren't we like that too? Lord, I believe, I do believe, but that unbelief creeps in, that doubt creeps in, that little bit of doubt. There were others in the Bible that doubted too, and the Lord didn't come down so hard on them as he did to Zacharias. I mean, remember when, when Abraham, he fell down laughing, LOL, laughing out loud that God would do that for him. And he says, oh, that Ishmael may live before you. In other words, Lord, you can't do that. That's not going to happen. And then Sarah laughed in her heart. I mentioned that one. Moses doubted, and the Lord had to deal with his doubts before he went in to deliver Israel from Egypt. Gideon. Gideon is my favorite doubter in the Bible. He was so great. The Lord says, oh, you valiant warrior of God, you know, and he says, me? I, I, he was afraid of the Midianites, and he was in the wine press, and he was hiding there. And he says, me? Who, me? And the Lord says, yes, you're going to be the one. And he says, but Lord, how will I know? Let me put out the fleece. So he had a fleece on the ground, and he put out the fleece, and he says, Lord, if there's only dew on the fleece and not on the ground, then I'll know this is your will. I'm, I know it's going to happen. So the night came, he woke up the next day, and sure enough, it was on. He, perfect, right? Yes, Lord, but just one more time, let me ask that this time, the dew be on the ground only and not on the fleece. And so God was merciful here to that too. He said, okay, next morning gets up. Wow, it's just like that. Lord, that is so great. But if I just had a sign, just a confirmation. So the Lord says, okay. And see how patient he is with Gideon. And he's pretty hard on Zacharias here. But he's patient with Gideon. He says, okay. So he sends him to the camp of the Midianites. And all of a sudden, there's a conversation going on between two of these Midianites. And they said, they had a, a, I have a dream, and there's this big stone, and it rolls down and destroys the camp and the Midianites. And they said, well, what does it mean? And he said, this means Gideon is going to come, and he's going to destroy the Midianites. And Gideon says, I finally got it now. I guess it's, it's going to happen. Sometimes we're thick-headed. We're thick-skulled. We can't get it through our mind that why doubt the Lord? He is a God of love and miracles and gracious work. And he is so good to us, and yet sometimes we doubt. A man named Martin jo Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, some people seem to think that once you become a Christian, you should never be assailed by doubts. But, if that, is, but that is not so. Peter still had faith as he panicked in the storm in Matthew 14. I remember Randy spoke on that. His faith was not gone, but because he was weak, doubt mastered him and overwhelmed him, and he was shaken. Doubts will attack us, but that does not mean that we are to allow them to master us. You know, the doubts are going to come. They're going to come knocking at our door. Maybe tomorrow morning they're going to come, or maybe they're going to come this afternoon, or maybe later in the week, or maybe in a while. They're going to come. There's no question about that. But how we handle them that count. Will we trust God? Will we put our confidence in Him and allow Him to have His way? And when we do that, Doubt will fly. It will fly away. I love the hymn writer that said, and we sing it all the time, count your blessings. Have you, are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. That's a catchy tune, you know, and if you sing that verse, it can encourage you. Music encourages us. The Word of God encourages us to face these doubts head on, not to sweep them under the carpet and say, no, I don't doubt, I don't have any doubts in my life. But when they come, we say, get behind me, because we trust God for it. But, like I said, he was hard on Zacharias. He really was. When you think about how some of these other people doubted and everything, they got off pretty easy, but not, not Zacharias. God has a different way of dealing with him. And God knows how to deal with us. He knows what discipline to use and how to chasten us how to train us up. And so he says to him, the Gabriel says to him, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Isn't that amazing? God says, okay, you didn't believe. You didn't believe. So you're going to be mute for nine months until this happens, right? Nine months. Can you imagine? Some wives probably like this, though. I wonder if, I wonder if, if Elizabeth was happy, you know, that her husband couldn't speak for nine months. I don't know. Or maybe if we turned it around to Elizabeth, well, 
It's okay. That's another story. <laughs> that's okay, right? Okay. But he couldn't speak for nine months. Now, some of us, like myself, I don't think I could go nine days or, or nine hours or nine minutes maybe even without speaking, right? But here he was, and he had to go for nine months. So they had in those days, and I didn't even realize it until, I, I mean, I knew it before, but they had writing tablets. So he had to carry with him, wherever he went, a writing tablet so he could communicate with his wife and his friends and different people. And so he would write down his, his answers and things. And he did that for nine whole months. It must have been kind of frustrating. And all during those nine months, he's thinking, you know what? He's thinking to himself. He can't say it, but he's thinking the words in his heart. Why didn't I believe? Why did I have to doubt? And don't we feel that way sometimes when we doubt the Lord and doubt that he's going to do a miracle for us and doubt he's going to provide for us and do something great? Don't we feel bad about it when we doubt? We do. And he had nine months to think about it. God allowed that to, to take place for nine months. It's amazing. But it was, it was what God allowed him to go through. So we see in this passage that here he is, he's going back home to Elizabeth now, unable to speak. It was so amazing, it's kind of funny. God has a sense of humor because he comes out of the, out of the temple, right? And he's motioning and with his hands and all this thing, and, and they can't hear a word coming from him because he's mute. And the people have realized that he had seen a vision, but he couldn't say a word, could not say a word. Someone once said that unbelief keeps us from speaking. It keeps us from speaking for the Lord. And so we want to ask the Lord to open our mouth to speak for him. We see now, if you turn over to the 57th verse of the chapter, we see the continuation of the story. I'm not going to read it all, but it mentions here that now the full time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And I bet he did not want it to go longer, you know, because some women, you know, when the nine month is a little longer, right? And, and I'm past my due date and, and I'm waiting and I want to give birth, right? Every, you're, you don't want to wait any longer, right? And Zacharias is thinking, I want it to come now. I want it to be, the baby to be born now so I can speak again. But sure enough, just as God is true to his word, it says Elizabeth full time came to her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Now that is a fulfillment of verse 14 because if you look back at verse 14, the, the angel had promised, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice in, at his birth. So when, when little baby John was born, there were people there. There were friends, there were family, there were neighbors. They were all there to witness that and, and that birth. And it's really, really amazing. And in those days, they used to circumcise the little baby boys on the eighth day. So the eighth day, they all had a party and they rejoiced and this little baby was born. And so the people were saying, what are you going to call him? What's going to be his name? And so Elizabeth said, his name is John. John? There's no Johns in your family. Not a single one. Where, where did you get the name John from? And it's amazing because in the days of the Jewish people, they used to have family names that would carry on. Like it would be the son of uh, Peter. You know, he was, he was the son of John, Jonah and so forth. They would carry the family name. Well, there was no family name with John in it. And so then they motioned to Zacharias. Let's ask him. What is his name going to be? So he says, bring me the tablet. Bring me the tablet. J-O-H-N. His name is John. And as soon as he wrote that name down, all of a sudden God opened his mouth, loosed his tongue, and he started to praise God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he has a wonderful doxology of praise in this passage in verses 68 through 79. It's amazing. And it says fear came on all the people at that time. They knew this child was going to be special because he was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist. And we know that when Jesus came, the angel Gabriel also appeared to Mary and Joseph, as I said, and brought a miracle, a virgin birth miracle there as well. But it's just amazing to see. 
And all these nine months, he had said nothing. He could have said nothing. But now he has nothing but praise for God. It says in verse 67, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's a priest now, and he's a prophet too. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of his life. What a great praise be to God he was. And then what really is interesting, after he gave this great thing, he gives, blessed really means to praise God. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. He praises God for the answers to prayer and probably said, Lord, you kept me silent for nine months and now nobody can keep me silent. When, you, when the Lord saves you and you accept Jesus as your Savior, you want to tell everybody. You want to rejoice and your mouth is open to tell that good news of salvation. What a blessing it is. And I like the fact also that his doubt turns into faith. His doubt turns into faith because his faith overcame that doubt. It's interesting, it's a contrast that there's one verse of doubt, verse 18, and there's 12 verses of praise in this passage. One verse of doubt, 12 verses of praise. And that's the way it is in life. When you doubt, it's going to bring you down, but the Lord's going to lift you up and give you something great for his glory. I like what Bill McDonald says about it. He says, freed from the fetters of unbelief and filled with the Holy Spirit, Zacharias was inspired to utter an eloquent hymn of praise rich in quotations from the Old Testament. All of a sudden, all the verses he remembered from the past and God used it and brought it to him and he spoke it to the, to the people there. And it's interesting, too, that he speaks to the little child. Now, I, I hear the little child, remember, is eight days old, but he turns to him and he says, and you, child, you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, to by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow, what a blessing. So here was the man, Zacharias. Godly man, feared God, loved God, followed the word of God, he knew the word of God, but when the time came and the angel promised him that you're going to have a son, he questioned. He doubted. And sometimes we can't. May the Lord help us to direct our minds to his word every single day. We can't say, well, today I think I'm going to skip reading because I'm really busy and I'm going to run out of the house and I'm going to get on the train or I'm going to get on the bus or I'm going to get in the car. You know your day's going to go off track like the BART train that goes off track. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. But when we spend time in the word and just allow the word to, to come into our Pores. It says in Scripture in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And when we let that word dwell in it richly, it builds up our faith. It strengthens us so when the doubts do come, we'll overcome them like Zacharias did. And we praise God. It was quite a ride for him for nine months not to be able to speak. But then when the time came to speak, to say the most beautiful message that you could possibly give. May the Lord help us to realize that he's got a plan for our life. You know, we can go through our day, and it can be a very average day, very ordinary day. And all of a sudden, God can turn it into an extraordinary day, right? He can do that. God can do that. We can say, well, I always get up at this time, and I always take this, this commute, and I always do it this way, and I go to work and things. But God says, today I'm going to alter it a little bit. Today I'm going to change your day up a little bit. I'm going to use you in a big way today. I'm going to bring something into your life that's going to be miraculous that you're going to be able to share with others. And may the Lord help us not to have those doubts, but to realize that, that He is so good. I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again in the movie. 
God is not dead. It is so great to see how God's word is so powerful that all those students said, God is not dead. God is not dead. God is not dead. Because they looked at the evidence, they looked at the facts, and they realized that God is alive and working. And he is alive and working in our life. He's not a statue. He's not a false God. He's the true living God who loves us. How can we doubt that he's going to love us and provide for us and care for us? He has all these years. He's not going to stop. We just have to trust him and not doubt that he is going to do great and mighty things for us. So may the Lord encourage us today not to doubt, but to bring all our doubts to the Lord and say, Lord, these are doubts. These are questions. How can this be? I'm going to lay it at your feet. Lord, show me your will. Let me do it. And sometimes we, he calls upon us to do things we don't understand. We do have questions. But when we do it for him and we honor him, he will bless our life tremendously. And we'll find out in heaven why it happened. We'll find out in heaven why this all transpired in such a way. But when God works in our lives, we're thankful because he's able to do it. And he does a great job. And if you're not here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have a praise to God. You can't praise God because you don't have him in your life. But when you accept Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, you confess your sins to him, you believe that he is your only Savior, and you repent of your sins and accept him into your life, you can be saved today. And you can be a new person, just like Zacharias had that spring in his step. He was so happy, so thankful that God was merciful to him, and he's merciful to us as well. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you today for the life of Zacharias. We can identify with him, Lord. We can, we can see ourselves in that because... We know more even than he knew because we have all the scriptures in not only the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament too, and we're living on this side of the cross. And we have a big advantage, Lord, and we're so privileged. And yet still we doubt, still we fear, still we worry, still we, we don't trust you for things. Lord, forgive us and help us to have victory over our doubts and help us to share with others that good news of salvation that one can be saved and saved eternally and help us to have that message in our hearts and on our lips every day. We just thank you for this time. We ask you'll dismiss us with your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.